0: Good evening. Thanks for returning uh, this Sunday evening. As we continue our study on the attributes of God tonight, we are focusing on the patience of God. We start with a review that you have now heard for three times, so it ought to be very familiar with to you. And that is how are God's grace, mercy, and patience to be differentiated. God's mercy, patience, and grace may be seen as three separate attributes or as specific aspects of God's goodness. The definitions given below show these attributes as special examples of God's goodness when it is used for the benefit of specific classes of people. God's grace is unmerited or unearned favor, given to individuals what they do not deserve, earn, or merit. Mercy is God's inclination to relieve the misery of people. It presupposes their distress, and it is the tender regard That he has for them in their plight. A good synonym for mercy would be patience. Patience is God's endurance with people prior to judgment. So God's mercy is God's goodness towards those in misery and distress. God's grace is goodness towards those who deserve only punishment. And God's patience is goodness in withholding punishment towards those who sin over a period of time. So that's what we want to focus on tonight, God's patience. Stephen Charnock, he's a Puritan, and uh, he has written the seminal work on uh, the attributes of God. It's a two-volume work uh, entitled Existence and the Attributes of God. It certainly is, is tremendous. It's, it's very deep. It's extremely comprehensive. goes into these studies in a much deeper way than I am doing on Sunday nights. But uh, Stephen Charnock says this concerning patience. It is part of the divine goodness and mercy, yet differs. God being the greatest goodness, hath the greatest mildness. Mildness is always the companion of true goodness. And the greater the goodness, the greater the mildness. Who so holy is Christ, and who so meek? God's slowness to anger is a branch of his mercy. The Lord is full of compassion, slow to angers. It differs from mercy in the formal consideration of the subject. Mercy respects the creature as miserable. Patience respects the creature as criminal. Mercy pities him in his misery. Patience bears with the sin which engendered the misery. A.W. Pink says this, Patience is that power of control which God exercises over himself, causing him to bear with the wicked and forbear so long in punishing them. So here is one of the great distinguishing factors between God's patience and God's mercy. The patience of God has to do chiefly with himself. You see, mercy centers upon the object, the person who is in misery and who's in distress. God has mercy upon them. But patience has to do with himself. Though the sinner is benefited by God's patience, patience is nonetheless God's self-control in exercising his will. It is that excellency of character that allows him to suffer great insult and injury without immediately avenging himself. Let me say that again. It is the excellency of character that allows him to suffer great insult and injury without immediately avenging himself. God is patient. He is able to put up with a great deal uh, before he exercises judgment. So number one, patience is God's exercise of self-control. God is said to be long-suffering. Exodus 34, 6. And the Lord passed by before him. This is when Moses had asked to see the glory of God. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundance in goodness and truth. Numbers fourteen eighteen, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty. Uh, we can find many, many passages that speak about God being long-suffering. Psalm 86:15. But Thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, plenteous in mercy and truth. And you see how these attributes oftentimes are listed together: grace, long-suffering, or patience, and mercy. The term long-suffering carries with it three main ideas. The first is endurance, from which we look at the word long in long-suffering. This carries the idea of forbearance, that he was actually able to bear for an extended period of time. The thought is of putting up with something unpleasant for an extended period of time. We speak of the straw that breaks the camel's back, that Last bit that just puts us over the edge. We can't bear it any longer. We can't put up with it uh, any uh, longer. Well, God is long-suffering. He's able to bear with that which is unpleasant for an extended period of time. The second is suffering. Mankind's sinful rebellion brings suffering to God. Uh, It is painful for God to put up with the sinfulness of mankind. That's why he needs to exercise self-control. That's why patience centers upon the person of God. Because all the time that he is being patient, he has to endure suffering. It grieves God's sense of moral Justice, it causes him pain in the insult and injury to his being. Genesis six, five. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. This is speaking of that period prior to the flood. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain, So God is grieved and his heart is filled with pain by mankind's sinfulness. And he is grieved and filled with pain by our sinfulness as well. So Thessalonians tells us, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Uh, do not cause the Holy Spirit pain or suffering because of our sinfulness. You think about a parent whose child is wayward whose child is going through all kinds of rebelliousness or as I say waywardness or not walking in paths that are pleasing to the Lord that is painful and it causes the parents a measure of discomfort uh, sadness grief over the situation how much more the person of God God is said to be Slow to anger. God is not quick-tempered, if you will. Exodus 34, 6. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, gracious God, slow to anger. Now we look at God dealing with the children of Israel in their rebellion against Him. And we have this recorded in the book of Nehemiah. But they that is, our forefathers, became arrogant and stiff-necked and did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you are a loving God, uh, a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Therefore, you did not desert them. Even when they cast for themselves an image of a calf and said, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Or when they committed awful blasphemies. Because of your great passion, you did not abandon them in the desert. By day, the pillar of cloud did not cease to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths and you gave them water for their thirst. For 40 years you sustained them in the desert. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. You see, God was very patient with the children of Israel. Since God is patient, God is not quick-tempered. Since God is patient, God does not rush to judgment. Since God is patient, God does not act impulsively. He never disciplines incorrectly. The book of Hebrews, it talks about the discipline of, of God. And it says that we have earthly parents that we give respect to that discipline us uh, for their pleasure, meaning that sometimes as parents, we get upset with our children over things that really are kind of selfish in nature. For example, let's say we want to take a nap on a Sunday afternoon and we have little children and we say to them, now play quietly because we want to sleep and stay out of trouble. And all of a sudden, you know, they're arguing and they're fighting or they're doing something and they wake you up and then you're angry because they woke you and now you're going to discipline them because they didn't listen to what you say. But it's really about self. It's really about the fact that I didn't get my nap and I am unhappy. That is not the person of God. He is not like that. God does not become selfish and in his selfishness lash out against a sinful mankind. God is holy and his anger is always directed in a just and right manner. So, since God is patient, God does not get mad. He does not become temporarily insane. He does not become irrational. Secondly, God's patience is a great display of his power. Proverbs 16.32 He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that takes a city. It is more difficult. It requires greater strength, if you will, to control your anger than it is to display great power in order to take a city. It's easier to lash out. It's easier to show demonstrations of strength than it is to show the strength that's associated with being slow to anger. God's patience is a great display of power and self-control. In the book of Numbers, Moses is speaking to God when God says that he is about to destroy the children of Israel for their wickedness. And uh, Moses intercedes for them and says this. If you put these people to death all at one time, The nations who have heard this report about you will say the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land. He promised them on oath. So he slaughtered them in the desert. Now may the Lord's strength be displayed just just as you have declared the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Let your strength be displayed. And here that strength is. In being patient. In being patient. Romans 9.22 What if God. Choosing to show his wrath. And make his power known. Bore with great patience. The objects of wrath. Prepared for destruction. That God demonstrates his power. His strength. Through. Demonstrating great patience. Towards the objects of wrath. Those individuals that are eventually going to experience God's wrath. Those that are eventually going to be in hell. Those that are eventually going to be departed from God. God demonstrates great patience in dealing with them. That we can go to work and we can hear people swear. And take God's name in vain. And question His existence. And defy God with no seeming ramification. And they gloat over the fact that they live a very unrighteous life and nothing ill has happened to them. That is the example of God's patience. He tolerates that for so long. Even as Jesus, who hung upon the cross and those taunts, were uh, railed against him. If you be the Son of God, come down from there. Prove yourself. Prove yourself. God is long suffering. So be. God's patience is a glorious display of power. Colossians one eleven. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Now here is that patience that is given to us. That we can become a patient people. But in order to do so, we have to be strengthened with His glorious power. So that we would be long-suffering. That we, for an extended period of time... Allow ourselves to be mistreated. Allow ourselves to be grieved. Allow ourselves to suffer insult. Allow ourselves to experience pain through the unjust acts, the wickedness of others, and yet show them kindness. That takes a lot of intestinal fortitude. That takes a lot of strength. That takes a lot of restraint. Not to lose our tempers. Not to react impulsively. Not to want to get even. And that is a wonderful display of the power of God in our lives. To have that kind of meek and quiet spirit. Uh, down to under Romans 9.22. We're God to immediately break these reprobate vessels into pieces his power of self-control and the character of his sovereign reign would not be so clear by bearing with their wickedness and for bearing judgment so long the power of his patience and the goodness of his rule is gloriously demonstrated however the wicked interpret his long suffering quite differently they see it as weakness a world that looks for and clamors after power, sees the demonstration of patience as weakness. This is not a strong leader, or they would not tolerate such things. But we can look around us and see the opposite extreme of that, and that is dictatorships, people who have unbridled authority in their countries, People that can do whatever they want with their uh, subjects. And we look at the atrocities right now that are going on in, in Syria. And of course, we've seen it in Iraq. We've seen it in Iran. where these tyrants turn upon their own people and will not tolerate any kind of rebellion, any kind of opposition to their regime. If you are going to defy them, then they are going to simply wipe you off. The face of the earth. And that is viewed as a powerful leader. But God in his kingdom and his rule is of entirely different nature. God's kingdom is a glorious kingdom because he rules gloriously. The glory of his rule is that he rules in goodness. And this includes the idea of ruling with patience. Patience. Third. God's patience is exhibited in giving individuals opportunity for repentance. There is a reason for his demonstration of patience. There is a reason for him to be long-suffering. God is patient with mankind, giving them wonderful opportunities for repentance. Romans 2, four. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? So here in Romans chapter 2, it's speaking to the wicked, it's speaking to the unrighteous. And it says, do you show contempt for God's kindness? Do you ridicule God's kindness, his tolerance, his patience in failing to realize That the reason for that is that he leads you towards repentance. God was tremendously patient in the days of evil prior to the flood. 1 Peter 3.20 Who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. So God was patient in bringing judgment. God had declared that he was going to destroy the earth with a flood. He pronounced judgment. And that judgment was going to be exercised. But it wasn't exercised for 120 years. From the time that he said, I am going to destroy this earth with a flood, 120 years passed. Before the flood actually came. First. God was tremendously patient. Because their sin was so great. Genesis 6.5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness. On the earth had become. The atrocities. That were being. uh, Entered into. The depths. Of the wickedness that was being manifested. God looked at that. And it caused him. Great pain. Two. God was tremendously patient because their sin was so hard to endure. Genesis 6.6, the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain as he looked upon this earth. Third, God was tremendously patient because he pronounced judgment. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved. That I have made them. Fourth, God was tremendously patient in giving them 120 years to repent before that judgment was carried out. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. So God told Noah up front, I'm not going to be tolerant with these people forever. I'm not going to contend. I'm not going to fight with these people forever. I'm not going to confront them forever. He said to Noah, I'm giving them 120 years to repent. That's a long time. When mankind had been so wicked. Five. God was tremendously patient in providing them with a preacher of righteousness. Second Peter 2.5 If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. Now, what does that mean that he was a preacher of righteousness? I think two things. First, number six, God was tremendously patient in providing them an object lesson with regard to the coming judgment. So that Noah was a, a preacher of righteousness. That can be understood in two ways. That is that Noah preached righteousness. He was a preacher of righteousness. Of, he was a preacher whose content was righteousness. Or it could be a descriptive genitive of who Noah was. And that was he was a righteous preacher. And actually, I think it is the latter in uh, the book of Genesis that is uh, emphasized. Now, certainly he preached righteousness. He preached repentance. But the idea is that Noah himself was a righteous preacher. That is God's grace. You know, it's one thing for God to provide a preacher. It's quite another for God to provide a righteous preacher. In other words... God was patient with the children uh, excuse me with the uh, fallen mankind in the, the days prior to the flood because God gave them an exemplary mouthpiece no one could find fault with noah they had no reason to reject the message that noah proclaimed there was nothing in the person Or character of Noah that would discredit what Noah said. Now notice 1 Peter 3.20. The sincerity of Noah was easily seen. Who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. It took Noah the full amount of time to build the ark. And every day. As Noah worked upon this ark was before them a living example of a person who believed in the reality of this coming judgment. There they could see this person who they were mocking, who they were ridiculing, who they were making fun of for building this ark. They could see the sincerity of what Noah was proclaiming. He proclaimed a flood is coming. Because of the wickedness of this people, and I'm building an ark to save myself and my family. And they could see the reality of his faith. They could see the genuineness. They could see the reality of his conviction. And then secondly, the nearness of approaching judgment was clearly seen. There was 120 years. Until judgment was coming. I don't know if Noah hung up a calendar or not. I don't know if each if he decided you know, to number uh, the years. And 120 years. And now we're down to 119. Now we're down to 118. Now we're down to 118. 17. 116. 115. 114. 113. 112. And then down 30 days. 29 days. 28 days. I don't know if Noah did that. But I do know what Noah did. And that was that he built an ark. And they could see the progress. They could see when that ark was nearing completion. They could see that it was almost done. And Noah could say, when I'm finished with this ark, the flood's coming. The flood's coming. God is patient, and the patience of God is to lead people to repentance. Number seven. God was tremendously patient because of how guilty the whole world was. First Peter 3:20. Uh, uh, I uh, also wanted to use out of Genesis chapter six. In that verse, it says their heart was continually wicked. All the time. That it was, they, there was no respite. They, they were constantly uh, not only doing wickedness, but thinking about wickedness. Their heart was evil all the time. And so, number seven, God was tremendously patient because of how guilty, and now here, the whole world was. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. Eight people were spared this judgment. How many people were on the face of the earth? I don't know. Thousands? Millions? And God spared eight people. Patient. 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 Think what he endured. Think what he put up with. For when they were mocking Noah... They weren't just mocking Noah. They were mocking God himself. And God was grieved not only because of the insult that was being brought to bear by himself, but he was grieved for his servant Noah, who likewise was experiencing insult and injury. See, and this is extremely important, God is patient. But that does not mean that God will not ultimately judge. God is long-suffering, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a day of reckoning. That there isn't a time in which his patience ends. I want to say that very carefully. It's not that his patience runs out, but it ends. That there is a time for judgment. There is a time for making things right. His patience will end. Numbers fourteen eighteen. The Lord is slow to anger. But notice with that statement that the Lord is slow to anger. Teaches us that ultimately God will become angry. God will become fed up. And God will pour out his wrath. We are not to be fooled or discouraged by God's delay of judgment. The flood did come. In the end time, they will say, where is the coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed And the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. They willingly forget that. They forget that. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Application. A. We are to model God's patience in dealing with us and our dealing with others. James 1.19 This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak slow to anger we should be a people that exercise self control we ought not to be hot headed we ought not to be quick tempered we ought not rush to judgment we should understand the situation we should know all that takes place and we should be a people who are willing to put up with insult and injury for the benefit of others be We are to rely upon God for this patience. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. That is what we are to seek from God. To be strengthened with his might. So that we would exercise a glorious power. A power of self-control. Of patience. And being long-suffering. And even as I spoke of this morning... You know, we run in those situations. As I say, the straw that breaks the camel's back. We can, as I said this morning, do a lot by our own strength and by our own willpower. But it comes to an end. We need God's grace. Have you been losing your temper lately? Do you have road rage? Do you yell at cars that pull out in front of you? Have you been having difficulty in dealing with your spouse or uh, people at work, do you find yourself getting shorter and shorter fused? Ask God to make you a patient person that can put up with, that can tolerate, that can endure, that can show kindness to others, even when we are personally injured or insulted. C. Here is a great lesson in spiritual leadership. We should not use our authority as a means of getting even or retaliating against our enemies. A good leader is one who is long-suffering. That is, putting up with personal injury and insult in order to do good to those who are under our care. A leader, a good leader, is not moved to act unkindly towards those that are um, rebelling against that leadership, questioning that leadership, mocking that leadership, or chafing under that leadership. But a good leader, a godly leader, uses their influence, uses their power for the good of those that are under their care, no matter what their behaviors towards that leadership. So, number three, this is a totally different concept of a powerful leader. Uh, May God grant us to be that kind of leader. And every man here, if you have a family or a leader in your home, we need to show patience. In exercising that leadership. Every woman here that has children is a leader of those children. We need to exercise patience in dealing with our children. It is a glorious display of power. It's more difficult to control our tempers than it is to take a city. Anyone can lash out. Anyone can exert Power. Anyone can hit back when they've been struck. But to be struck and not hit back, that's self control. When somebody is in your face, red faced, and yelling at you, not yelling back is a tremendous strength. It's hard. In fact, many times it's harder than anything we can muster in ourselves and that's why we need to pray for patience let's pray our father we thank you for your patience and we thank you for your patience in dealing with us we are thankful that in your goodness that you've brought us to a place of repentance there are very few of us who responded to the gospel the first time we heard it there's very few of us who immediately bowed our knees and said we want to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. Thank you for your patience with us in bringing us to a place of repentance. And Lord, I thank you for your continued patience. For many times we are doing things that are displeasing in your sight. And yet, O Lord, you give us opportunities to come before you and to ask for renewed forgiveness that we might enjoy fellowship with you That we might uh, know of your pleasure, uh, your delight. So, Lord, thank you for your patience towards us. And uh, help us to be patient towards those, even to those that are lost. Even to those that one day are going to experience your wrath. Lord, give us a long-suffering spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.